Today's Bible reading is from Genesis 46, verses 1 to 7, and then from verses 26 to 27. It's called Jacob Goes to Egypt. So Israel set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. Then over to 26. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his sons' wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, For those who haven't been here, we've been journeying through Genesis 12 to 50. We're coming towards the end. Uh, but let me pray and we'll, uh, and we'll have a better look at this passage. Father God, I do give you great praise that we can come to your word with great confidence. Uh, Father, you, you know the last few days in, in my life and I, I just ask you now, Lord, that you speak. Uh, Father, you, uh, you just bring uh, great glory to yourself. And Father God, I pray that each of us will uh, be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and that we will see the truth that lies in this passage. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I reckon I can guess which ones of you play chess. Uh, Peter, were you always a chess man? Yeah, thought you would be. Anyone else play chess? Yeah, John played chess. Now, chess is one of those games where I think you have to be rather intelligent. Um... (laughs) no okay apparently i'm wrong that's not from the bible Uh, so i'm not very good at chess um and the reason i'm not very good at chess is i think sometimes i'm too i'm too quick to want to take someone's piece that i get trapped into this place where i go how on earth did i get here how on earth are you now surrounding my king and how on earth, oh, that's it, and the pieces go flying. That's generally how my chess game uh, finishes. But you see, chess is one of those games where, obviously I'm not very good at it, but I, I figured out strategically you need to keep the bigger picture in mind. You need to know what your purpose is. And you need to know that every move that you make is moving towards a bigger purpose rather than just taking that next thing because that makes you feel uh, good at that moment. You see, in chess, the big purpose is to capture the other person's king. It's to leave them in checkmate where they can't move without being taken. 
And in some regards, as we've been journeying through Genesis, while we've been looking at passages, it's almost like God is playing this big game of chess. And I want to bring that out a little bit uh, this morning. Because you see, his purpose isn't to capture the king. His purpose has always been to bring glory to himself. If you go back to Genesis 1, the very creation of the world, the mandate was always to fill the earth. Why? To bring him glory because we are made in his image and anything that brings us glory should reflect back to him. So for his name to be proclaimed to all the earth, it was always that, to bring him the greatest glory. And as we've been journeying through Genesis, it's like there's this, uh, this background thing going on, as even though we're looking at individual episodes. Uh, and I just want to read again the first few verses of chapter 46 there, if you have your Bibles. So Israel set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. See, Egypt has actually been a very important part of uh, the Genesis story in some respects. I think Egypt was always the easy option for some of the issues. Now, if you go back to chapter 26, Abraham, um, Jacob's father Isaac um, was also in the midst of a famine. And besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, there was this new famine, we're told, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. So it's really curious because, remember, he's promised this land of Canaan. They've been in it. But now, because of the great famine, the seven years of famine, he's now telling Jacob, this is Israel, to go down to Egypt. And no doubt, when all this was unfolding, I think Jacob would have been very hesitant because he would have known what his father was told by the Lord to go down to Egypt. But now we have the Lord revealing himself to Jacob and saying, go down. Now, I want to draw out a point about our lives in this. See, our life is not just a matter of living um, in this one way that you must live that God tells you to live and everyone should be the same. Sometimes we get this impression that, um, that you know, it's all about, well, we do, we do what Christians do. But there's something much bigger going on in your life with a greater purpose, and that is to bring glory to God. And sometimes God may lead you into a place, then out of a place, then into another place and out of a place. He may lead some people into a place. He may send missionaries into certain places. He may send you nowhere. 
He may ask you to live in the mountains like every other person lives in the mountains for the rest of their life. Seems to be to me anyway. See, every individual has this relationship with God and we are part of this chess game. And we are moving as part of his bigger... And that's a very exciting thing, to have great purpose in your life. I would never have thought I'd go up to the Kimberley and then the Pilbara and then the Blue Mountains... That was never part of what I would have thought, but God has been manoeuvring that around. But it's all with this bigger purpose. You see, going down to Egypt would have answered this huge question that was sitting in the back of the Israelites' minds. How did we on earth get to Egypt? How do we end up in this situation? Well, this is how they ended up in this situation. God has led them into the land that would become the land of slavery. And there should be some sort of exciting reassurance about that. Even if you're in a land of slavery, if you're one of God's people, you can trust that he's the one who's brought you into that place. Now, I just want to draw out three words, really, and if you've ever noticed, if you've ever looked up, I don't know if we have it today, but um, I've called this series... Uh, the God of promise, uh, the God God of promise, providence and provision. And I think entailed in all of this are those three things. Now remember that God promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that they would become a great nation, um, that they would have people, they would be sent to a land and they would be a blessing to the nations around them. Well, As far as the promise goes, the reason we also read uh, verses 26 and 27 is it's quite remarkable when you think of it that when they went down to Egypt, how many people were they? 70. That was their entire household. So we've journeyed all these generations since Abraham and how big is the family? 70. You see, things don't happen necessarily quickly. But when you get to the beginning of Exodus, which is, uh, which is when they're in Egypt, now God has promised that they will make them a great nation in Egypt. He will be with them. Um, we've got an issue at the beginning of Exodus where Joseph is no longer means anything to the new king who comes to power. They decide to turn on the Israelites because they are far too numerous for us. They were so large, in fact, you couldn't even count them. So the fulfilment of God's promises was in the land of Egypt. So he's fulfilling promise. But he's not just uh, fulfilling the promise of uh, people. He is ultimately going to bring them out of Egypt through the plagues, and we're told he has raised up Pharaoh for this very purpose. Why? To bring God the greatest glory. Because all the nations on the earth will see how powerful he was to get them out of Egypt. So in order to do that, he's sending them into Egypt. Can you see the bigger picture that's starting to unfold with why they're going down to Egypt? But he's also being a blessing to all nations. You see, he wasn't just providing food for his people to keep them alive. This seven years of famine 
by raising up Joseph, he has provided and, and, and he has fulfilled his provo- uh, promises to be a blessing to all nations. So all these things are working together in what's happening here. But then there's also the provision. There's the provision of food. In fact, the abundance that Israel's family have is quite remarkable because Joseph is the most powerful man in Egypt. He is able to not just treat them like any of the other Egyptians and any other nations, they get an allowance. So because they get an allowance, they're not buying the food off Joseph. They're more like priests in the land and they end up becoming very wealthy and and very numerous. But then there's also the providence of God. You see, God's providence means that he is the one who is moving these things around. And I think what we have here is a larger scale of uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and restores my soul. But then we're told, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not leave me. Now, the significance of that is we're seeing that unfolding. I will be with you, he has said here uh, in chapter 46, uh, verse 4. I will go down to Egypt with you. That becomes not just a land of blessing, green pastures, but it becomes a land of slavery. And in that land of slavery are dark times, that they are oppressed, but he is still with them. And all this because he is sending his people down to Egypt to ultimately bring great uh, glory to himself. So he's sending them in order to be saved. So he's, he's saving them from famine in order for a greater salvation that's going to come under Pharaoh and the plagues, all because it brings the greatest glory to God. So the question is, how really does this relate to us today? Well, I think God's character of salvation and provision and providence and and promise is so centrally uh, brought into this one uh, moment where he sends sends Jacob to Egypt, knowing all that lays ahead. Uh, God knows all that's lay ahead. And in fact, when people are reading this, they're looking back possibly and going, how on earth did we get here? What God sent me here? But it was all because of the uh, the exodus. See, God is setting up his chess pieces because the great crowning glory of his salvation of the Israelites was always referenced back to the the salvation from Egypt and slavery in Egypt. As you go through the rest of the Old Testament, the God who saved us from Egypt, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who was able to um, overcome Pharaoh, it's a constant. And the, uh, the Exodus is one of the pivotal moments that all this is setting us up for uh, in this moment. But then we go beyond that because we know the Exodus just landed them into a land uh, of blessing. Yes, he ends up in the promised land. Uh, But that text I read earlier uh, from John 6 that we had communion around, 
Jesus talks about the manna in the wilderness. And if you remember God, after saving them from the, uh, from, uh, the Egyptian slavery, he sends them through the wilderness for 38 years. I know it's 40 years, but actually it's 38 years. And then they sit on right on the edge of the promised land for two years. But he guides them and he feeds them manna. It is the bread of heaven. It is, the, it is God's provision when they should be dying in the wilderness. If you've been in the wilderness, uh, which I have in 2014 out there, it is a very barren land. There is not much. A famine is a normal thing. In fact, uh, we're, we're in the middle of a conflict right now. And I'm just reading a book that someone gave me and it talks about how most of that land was just uncultivated, nothing was even used because it was just so barren up until 100 years ago. You see, this is, this is God sending his manna, the salvation uh, bread from heaven down after saving them from Egypt in order to point us to the true bread of heaven. See, all of this has always been about Jesus. We may have one week, maybe two in Genesis. I still have to make that decision. I might just do one more week. I think we can wrap it up. But if you see anything in Genesis, I hope you see God's hand of promise, provision and providence, which has been moving these chess pieces around, not just to send them to Egypt for the exodus out of Egypt, salvation out of Egypt, but salvation out of the true slavery that we have from sin and that's what the exodus was always pointing to you see being saved from slavery is what we all have paul says in romans he says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins <clears throat> but he also says that we were slaves to sins see we were the sl we were under a yoke of slavery but then in Galatians 5.1, he says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, he may lead us into slavery at times in a physical sense, but he will be with us and his promise is he'll lead us out again. And that promise was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see it in this passage, we see it in Genesis, we see it in Exodus. In fact, if I was to go through the whole Old Testament, all of it's pointing to that one, that one salvific history. So let me encourage you, I think from here, uh, from this, uh, to, to see God's bigger chessboard. Don't get bogged down with moving those little pieces of chess um, and trying to achieve this one thing. Every move is important, yes, and we seek his guidance, and yes, we, we sit under his authority, yes, and we go when he tells us to go, and we stay when he tells us to stay. But when things get tough, and when things get absolutely amazingly full of blessing and joy, just remember that there's a bigger picture going on here, and our our hope isn't in this world, whether it's good or bad, but it is uh, in that final day where God will bring the greatest glory to himself and all his people will get, be gathered around the throne and his hallelujahs will be sung by each of us. And we will all look back on our lives and think, wow, 
Look at that chessboard. I didn't know what was happening with that move. I didn't know why that was happening. But I can guarantee that it will bring God the greatest glory because he will never leave us nor forsake us. Father God, I do thank you for, uh, for just being in control of all things, Lord, and that we have great purpose in our life, that we, we are people that, that don't need to fear. We are people that don't need to be afraid of the future or worried about the past, Lord, because each moment is in your hands. Uh, Father God, thank you that you didn't just lead uh, Israel into Egypt, but you also led them out of it into a place of promise and ultimately, Lord, into a place where we see uh, the Lord Jesus, the true Israelite, who sacrificed himself as the bread of life so that in him we may be forgiven, set free and be given a freedom that will last into eternity. So, Father God, bless us for this week ahead and we pray all this in Jesus' name.